Welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. We are going to finish up a series that we've been in um, over the last six, seven weeks called Red Letters. And uh, we've been kind of going through um, John chapter 13 through 16, really focusing in on the scriptures um, that Jesus said directly from the heart of Jesus, directly from the mouth of Jesus. And uh, they call those red letters in the Bible because it's supposed to stand out that these are words that Jesus has said. And, uh, you know, we're just like, I, I feel like, and I want to confess this to you, that, that we are, we, we just believe ourselves to be those radicals that if Jesus said it, we want to do it. Amen. Like that's how we are as a church. We just believe, and, and, and some people may say, well, that's just radical thinking, right? But we just believe that if Jesus said it, that, 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 and, and Jesus taught us it, that that's what we should be living our life in. And that's really what our desire is, is, is to, to live our life out that way. First John 2, 6, again, kind of the core of, of what we've been going after. First John 2, 6 says, those who say they live in God, and we say we live in God, should live their lives as Jesus did. And so that's why this is such a, a, an important thing for us when we talk about the red letters. And so today we're going to finish up John 16, and we're going to talk about the joy, everybody say joy, that comes from seeing things differently. The joy that comes from seeing things differently. And so I want to play a little game with you guys. Can we play a game this morning for just a minute? Um, uh, I want to show you a picture of something that's been kind of zoomed in on and you try to guess what it is and they're pretty easy. All right. And we're going to talk about what it looks like when we zoom in and what it looks like when we zoom out and we see things differently. Can you show that first slide? Anybody know what that is? Just yell it out. Peach, all right, is that what it is? Ah, we got some smart people out here. Did anybody not know that? Come on, be honest, it's church, thank you. All right, a lot of us. Let's go to the next one. You know what that is? Say it loud. Skunk? Oh, it's a kitty. Who said skunk? That was awesome. Listen, it's a kitty. I, I actually loved this picture. Go, go back to the first slide if you would. It, the first thing I thought about when I, no, 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 yeah, that one right there. First thing I thought about was like a lion. It looked like a lion's face to me. And then, and then when you zoom out, it's a little kitty. And the Lord just showed me, sometimes when we're zoomed in, Satan looks like a lion. We zoom out and he's a little kitty, right? So we're gonna talk about that later. All right, next slide. Anybody know what that is? Oh, one of the kids out there is like, I've had this. All right, nice. Nice. All right, one more. I think I got one more. No, two more. Anybody know what that is? All right, let's go. What is it? Ah, good job. All right, next one. Last one. Anybody know what this is? Honey. Anybody else? Come on, fellas. What is it? It's bacon. <laughs> I thought the guys had this one. All right, so here, here's the deal. There, there's, there's really a reason behind that, all right? And the reason is, is that when we're so zoomed into things, sometimes we have to zoom out to see the whole picture. Amen, church? So many times we're zoomed in and we're out here, we're guessing what is that, what could it be? We're guessing and the same thing happens in our life with Christ. So many times we're so zoomed in on this narrow picture that we have no idea what God is doing and we've got to kind of zoom out so we can see the picture that God is really laying out. Amen, church? This is so important in our Christian life. And obviously, it's easier, a lot easier to guess what the picture is when you zoom out because you have the bigger picture. 
Because wouldn't life be easier if we were just honest with one another? Wouldn't life be easier if we got to zoom out all the time and see the big picture? Who would love that? Who would love that Christian life a lot, right? I would love to, to be able to zoom out and see the whole story. And if I could see the whole story, I think most of us are in the same boat. We could see what God is doing and those little things that are just bothering us wouldn't become so big because we get to zoom out. I think this is why we don't like movies that have bad endings or cliffhangers, right? I remember going and watching The Last Avengers. Anybody see The Last Avengers? I'm not gonna ruin it for you, all right? I might a little bit actually, but I'm not gonna try to ruin it for you. But I remember seeing The Last Avengers and I know, I know they're coming out with another one, but there was no closure there, all right? There was absolutely no closure there. And I'm, the whole time I'm like, it can't end this way. And everybody's like, but there's gonna be a part two. And I'm like, I don't care. I don't like part twos, right? This is why we want there to be good resolve, good endings. And so we walk out going, stupid movie, we're gonna spend billions of dollars on the next one, right? Because we want resolve. We like to see the whole picture. I feel like this is the message that we're about to get into in John 16. In John 16, you're gonna see Jesus trying to convey to his disciples in the last hours, something that's so deeply rooted in his heart. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and, and, and go to John 16. And so what you'll see is Jesus in his last hours, he's been walking through John 13 through 16. He's been walking through different things with his disciples before his death and before his resurrection. And I believe that everything that he's talked about Everything that he shared with them, everything that he showed them has built up to this pinnacle moment when their faith is going to be tested. And, and when I say their faith is going to be tested, it's gonna be tested to the core. And there's a bigger picture at work that, that we've gotta stake our lives in regardless of the fact that the disciples are getting ready to go through the biggest testing of their life. So they're gonna be tested and yet Jesus, in this last chapter in 16, is trying to zoom out in these last hours, and he's trying to show them, look, there's a bigger picture at work here that you're not gonna understand right away, but eventually you're gonna get to it. And so if we read this together, John 16, starting with verse 12, and, and I just, just to set this up, remember last week he told them, look, the world's gonna hate you, but remember it first hated me. Um, you, you have to be careful not to abandon your faith, right? really easy message that Pastor Ryan brought. Didn't he do a great job, by the way, last week? It was a great message. Um, he said, I don't want to overcook your grits, but I'm going to, right? Uh, so you knew it was a good, good word. But he, he brought that word on what does it look like, the warnings and cautions in that. And so here then Jesus is picking up in John 16, verse 12, and he says this, there's so much more that I want to tell you but you can't bear it now. Man, he's just been unloading on them. He's basically told them over and over and over, I'm getting ready to leave, I'm getting ready to leave, I'm getting ready to leave. And they're like, like what do you mean you're getting ready? We, we gave up everything to follow you. And he's like, there's so much more I wanna tell you, but you can't bear it now. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. Now somebody underline this. He will tell you about the future. Somebody say, I want that. Come on. Somebody say, I want that. We want to know. I mean, we just all said it. Like if we could zoom out and know what the future is, we would love it, right? So here Jesus says, look, I'm going to go, but the spirit of truth is coming. And when the spirit of truth comes, he's going to zoom out. He's going to give you a bigger picture and he's going to tell you about the future. And I know that I want that. And then he goes on and he says this, in a little while, 
you won't see anymore. In a, in a little while, you won't see me anymore. But a little while later after that, you will see me again. This is where it gets fun. Some of the disciples asked each other, what does he mean when he says in a little while you won't see me, but then you will see me? And, 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 and I'm going to the Father. And what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand. Jesus realized they wanted to ask him about it. So he said, are you asking yourselves what I meant? And of course, he knows all things. And, and, and they said, I said, in a little while you won't see me, but a little while after that you will see me again. I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor. When her child is born, her anguish gives way. Um, to the joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice. And no one, somebody say no one, can rob you of that joy. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth, you will ask the Father directly. He will grant you your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. And that is the word of God, absolutely. Amen, church. Now, I think there's something pivotal here that Jesus is trying to convey to his disciples, as I said, in these last hours, something that carries with it a huge weight and a huge impact, not just for them, but for us right now in our lives with Christ. If your whole story, and we said this earlier, was zoomed out and you could see the end right now, you'd go, why in the world do I freak out on a daily basis? You just would, I would. If our whole world, our whole story was zoomed out, you would not freak out on a daily basis, be discouraged on a daily basis, be disappointed on a daily basis. You would have this joy that we just read about. Just read the end of the book, right? You read the end of the book, you read the end of the Bible, you see all the tragedies, all the difficulties, all those things. When we read the end of it, you see at the very end, we're victorious in Jesus Christ. And so we, 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 if we had that in our life where we could just zoom out a little bit, we would see a huge change in our life. How many guys are L.A. Dodgers fans? Any Dodgers fans out there? Nobody cares about the Dodgers. That's awesome. So a couple nights ago, a couple nights ago, the Dodgers, you know, went super long into the World Series, right? And, and, and it was just back and forth with Boston. And, and uh, some of, I was just thinking about this, like if, if you said, man, I'm just, I'm not gonna stay up all night and watch this, so I'm just gonna record it. And you didn't wanna stay up till two in the morning and finish the game or three in the morning and finish the game and you recorded it. And you're like, I'm gonna come home right after work and I'm gonna watch it. And if you were to go to work and somebody says, wasn't that the most amazing win that the Dodgers had? That walk-off home run, oh my goodness, it was amazing. You'd be ticked off, all right? You would, you would be ticked off because you recorded it so you could get home and watch it. But for that moment that you were ticked off, now you know, as a Dodgers fan, they just won. So it changes the course of your day. In that moment, you're like, you know what? I'm gonna go home, I'm gonna watch it in enjoyment. I'm not gonna worry about every strikeout. I'm not gonna worry about every ball. I'm not gonna worry about every home run the other team hit because I know at the end who wins because some knucklehead told me, right? And so Jesus is telling them what is about to happen and he's trying to zoom out and he's trying to give them a big picture to show them that it's gonna be okay. And I want you to see something. He's trying to show them there's something bigger here, that there will be joy. Listen to me, church. That there will be joy if, somebody say if. 
There will be joy if you can see things differently than what your situation may have you believe. There will be joy. There will be, it was a promise. There will be joy if you can pull back a little bit, if you can zoom out a little bit. There will be joy if you can zoom out and see things differently than what your current situation or situations may have you believe. Because so many times we're so zoomed in on like those pictures, we're so zoomed in on our situation, our issue, whatever our struggle is, we don't see the bigger picture. And so Jesus has shown them there's something so much more that's coming. And, and, and here's how it comes. He says, but this comes only with a heavenly mindset. Somebody say heavenly mindset. Let me show you something real quickly out of Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 2. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, 2, 3, Paul says this. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, there's an assumption that if you've said yes to Christ, that you've been raised to a new life, okay? Since you have been, not that you will be. So if you're a believer now, it's not that someday you will be. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. This is the gist of what Jesus was telling his disciples here in John chapter 16. And here's what Paul's saying. We should have a heavenly mindset right now because it changes the way we see things. It's for this reason, church, listen to me. This is why it's so important. It's for this reason that Satan is always attacking our minds. Where's the battle at? In the mind. Where does he say in scripture the battle's at? In the mind. Where does he say to take captive? Your thoughts. This is why your mind is constantly under attack with doubts and fears and worldly thoughts and discouragement because Satan wants to keep you and I from focusing on what really matters and that's having a heavenly mindset. Because when we have a heavenly mindset, it changes everything. So let me just share a few thoughts on what having a heavenly mindset looks like and how it changes how we see things and brings us joy. Number one, having a heavenly mindset starts with having a focus on our future with Jesus. Come on now, amen? Having a heavenly mindset starts with us having a focus on our future, somebody say future, with Jesus. This is our goal. This is what we're after. This is what we want. Jesus is saying, don't, don't worry about the world. Paul tells us, don't worry about the world. He says, keep your eyes on heaven. What does Jesus say? Keep your eyes on the kingdom. And so both of them are saying the exact same thing. Jesus is telling his disciples over and over and over in John 13 through 16, don't worry. <laughs> don't fear. Don't worry, don't fear. By the way, the Holy Spirit is coming. And when the Spirit comes, and this is a big deal, there's a lot of things that are gonna come with the Holy Spirit. And one of those things, and one of those reasons that we don't have to fear is because of what verse 13 tells us. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard, and he will tell you, listen, he will tell you about the future. Now, I asked you, earlier I said, raise your hand if you say, I want that. All the hands went up in the room. We would love to know what that looks like. Let me just say this to you, church, and I don't know if I can say this, but I'm going to say it anyways. You, you can stop looking at your horoscopes and start trusting the Holy Spirit. Amen? 
You can stop looking for those extra things that you're trying to find, that fortune cookie, maybe, you know, whatever. You can stop looking for that self-help. You can stop looking for those things, and you can start trusting the Holy Spirit. One of the many things that the Holy Spirit does is convey to us the future. And so some of you guys are like, so what does that mean? Like he's a fortune teller? Like what does that look like, right? And I want, you to tell, I want to tell you what doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that he's going to give you your pick six lotto ticket numbers, amen? Where you're checking in that $1.6 billion that somebody else already won. What it does mean is that the Holy Spirit tells us about the future in this way. He reminds us what Jesus has done. He reminds us what Jesus is doing. And he reminds us what Jesus will continue to do. Amen? There's a constant reminder in our heart with the Holy Spirit of what Jesus has done. Oh, yeah, Jesus did that. What Jesus is doing, he's moving right now. He's not standing still. He's not not waiting, or he's, he's not just hiding behind something, waiting for something. Jesus is constantly doing something. And then he's reminding us of what the scripture says Jesus is going to do. So there's a constant reminder. He reminds you with God all things are possible. He reminds you with God you are his kids. He reminds you that whatever happens, you have victory in the end. He reminds us that Jesus is, somebody say is, coming back again. So those mornings you wake up and you say, man, I'm so discouraged right now. I'm just disheartened. I'm just discouraged. And I'm just, look, this has been me lately. Just getting real with you. I, I don't know what it is, but just lately, just been waking up just so discouraged, so disheartened. And, 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 and my wife is like, What's, why, why do you feel like you're so discouraged? I'm like, I don't know. If I knew, I would fix it. Amen. I think I just need to press in more to the Lord. And so when you feel like you're so discouraged and so disconnected and you have no idea why, he reminds us that this is just temporary. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 17 says, this is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying. Do I hear an amen to that? We're getting ready to start a men's soccer team. You're going to hear about this, all right? <laughs> Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles... Our present discouragements, our present disheartened things that are happening in our life are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Seen in the perspective of eternity, our hardships, our difficulties, whatever they may be, diminish in importance, amen? Seen in the perspective of eternity. By comparison, the eternal glory is far greater than all the suffering that we face in this life. And let me just say something to you. I'm not taking away suffering. Look, I'm not taking away the fact that I felt, you know, in my own life discouraged and disheartened or that you feel discouraged and disheartened. I'm not taking away the pain that's associated with that. It's real, church. I get it. It's real. But in light of eternity, just a perspective, in light of eternity, those things are momentary. Those things are temporary. Those things are fleeting in light of eternity. Amen? This becomes my joy. This becomes our joy. Like, like this is short. What, what we're going through, this life just in general, even if you're in a good state, 
It's short, and something better is coming. And so what Jesus is doing is he's promising his disciples, look, if I leave, the Holy Spirit will come and will remind you of the things that are coming in the future. He'll remind you of the promises. He'll remind you of the covenant. He'll remind you of his love. And so he's like, it's, it's better for me to go so that the Holy Spirit will come and share these things. This is why the disciples had such joy. Not in that moment, but as we read about later on in the New Testament, in the, in, in the book of Acts, we read about in the first church, we read about in Paul's epistles, we read about such joy that these believers had in the midst of suffering. It's why believers all across the world go to their deaths and you read about it in those martyr books over and over and over again. You read about when they go to their deaths, many of them are singing praise and worship songs because they've zoomed out. They're not so zoomed in to the fact that they're marching to their death. They've zoomed out to the realities of heaven. They've zoomed out to eternity. They've zoomed out and they've seen from this bird's eye perspective that even though they're getting ready to march to their deaths for Jesus Christ, that they get eternity and joy and glory in Jesus. Amen, church. They've just simply zoomed out and not been so fixated on right, what's right in front of them. And this is why it's so much joy, not just for them, but for us. And here's the thing. Listen, Satan gets this. He understands this. Satan understands this, that anybody who has hope in this, anybody who has hope in seeing with the realities of heaven is hard to stop. What you think about your future affects how you live today. What you think about Jesus in your future is going to affect how you live today. And so we've got to focus on our future in Jesus. That's number one. Having a heavenly mindset is focusing on our future in Jesus. Man, this is not it. I get something more. I get something greater in him. Number two, having a heavenly mindset, and there's only two if you're taking notes. Uh, having, having a heavenly mindset grows by focusing on our resurrected position. Somebody says resurrected. Having a heavenly mindset grows by us focusing on our resurrected position, not just a position, our resurrected position. Let's, let's look at something that should be key for us in seeing differently and the joy that should come from us seeing differently. Jesus says, in a little while, you won't see me anymore, but a little while after that, you will see me again. Of course, you heard the disciples were going, what does he mean? In a little while, we won't see him. In a little while, we will see him. And then he says, I'm going to the Father. What does he mean by a little while? We don't understand. These guys are straight up confused. Anybody else be a little confused in that situation? Right? They have no idea. I resonate with that. They are talking with each other going, what in the world does he mean by a little while? And we're going to see him, and then we're not going to see him, then we're going to see him. And they're like, is he like, is this a game? Is this hide and go seek? Because I get that, Right? And Jesus understands that they're puzzled, and he goes on. He says, are you asking yourselves what I meant? I said in a little while you won't see me, but a little while after that you'll see me again. I tell you the truth, you will weep, mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. So, so we, because we have a bird's eye view, we get to read all of Scripture. We get to see that Jesus is referring to his death and resurrection. We get to see that. 
So this is the cool part of being able to zoom out on the whole story. And, and, and so like we, we buy into this. We're like, yeah, of course, Jesus is saying, like I'm gonna die and, and then I'm gonna be put in a tomb and I come back to, to, to life. This is why we're here today. This is the pinnacle of why we're here today because we believe that Jesus was resurrected. We're not here today because we still believe Jesus in a tomb. We're not here today because we think that the God of the universe stepped down and Jesus Christ died and never resurrected. That would be ludicrous for us to be here today. We're here today because we buy into the whole story that Jesus was crucified, that he was dead, he was put into a tomb, and he, on the third day he resurrected from the grave. But somewhere along the lines, we don't buy into the fact that we also resurrect with him. That in Christ, we too are risen from the grave and are saved from death. Or at least sometimes we don't act that way. Let me say it like that. We str I struggle. I'll use me. I struggle with joy. Maybe you struggle with joy. And discouragement comes in and, and disappointment comes in. And, and yet that joy that we're struggling with, that discouragement that we're struggling with, that disappointment that we're struggling with, why? Why? If I buy into the fact that in Jesus Christ, I too have been risen from the grave because I can be so focused on what's in front of me and not zoom out and remember that there's a bigger picture happening above me. Look at Ephesians 2, 6 through 7. For he, Christ, raised us from the dead, for he, God, raised us from the dead uh, along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Now, I'm going to read that again. For he raised us. It doesn't say he is going to raise us. Amen, church? He raised us. There's something that's happened spiritually inside of us that he's raised us up where we've been transferred over from the kingdom of death to the kingdom of life in Jesus Christ. He's raised us up from the dead along with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. These things we read and we go, mind blown. What does that mean that he's raised us up? When we come to Jesus, we have a resurrected position in him. Hear this. When you have a resurrected position, when you have a resurrected position in him, you were once dead. To be resurrected means you were once dead and now you're alive. And that changes things. When you were once dead and now you're alive, that changes things. You and I can have a joy in knowing that we are alive in Jesus, that we were once dead in those disappointments. We were once dead in that discouragement. We were once dead in whatever it is, loss of joy. We were once dead in those things, but now we're alive in Jesus and there's joy in that. Amen, church. This is why Jesus goes, you're going to mourn. You're going to grieve. It will be tough to watch what happens to me. Later on, he says, you're going to be scattered. You will grieve. Because you think for a moment everything that you staked your life on, everything that you gave yourselves to just died on the cross and it's all over. It will feel as though hopelessness is all that you have. But, somebody say but. Come on now, but. Somebody say but. But your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. Why? Because Jesus rises from the dead. Because we know the story of Easter. Because our God cannot be held down. And when the tomb is empty and Jesus reveals himself to his disciples, they finally get it. 
Everything that they gave their life to, everything they staked their life on, everything that they let go of and walked into, all of it, everything is true. And from that moment, because they believe it's true, something happened in that moment. For a minute, you won't see me, but then you will see me, and that grief and mourning from not seeing me will turn into joy because everything that I told you and taught you and poured into you, you will know it to be true, and it will change you forever. And at that moment, something happens. Nothing seems too difficult for them anymore. Nothing seems too painful for them anymore. Nothing seems too important for them anymore but Jesus Christ. This is the transformation. This is what's happening. They encountered the risen Savior. And if, I promise you right now, if Jesus were to step down right now, the, the, the church walls opened up, heaven opened up, Jesus came down here, none of you guys would be sitting in here going, what do you want to do for lunch? <laughs> N- none of us. But I promise what what we would do, first we would encounter him and we would bow down and we would worship. And then, you know, heaven opens back up, Jesus ascends back into the clouds. I promise you we would run out of these doors and we would go tell every single person that we know about the hope and love of Jesus Christ, would we not? Why? Because we've seen it now with our own eyes. We've seen it with our own eyes. And yet scripture says what? Blessed are those who don't have to see. Amen? But have faith. So, the man they believe to be the Son of God saved the world is the real deal, which brings joy. And I feel like I'm giving an Easter message, so if you hear this again, I'm going to recycle this thing for Easter. Look what he says. Jesus is like, let me, let me tell you what it's going to be like, because there's some real grief in this thing. There's some real mourning in this thing. It will be like a woman suffering pains of labor. When her child is born, her anguish gives way to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice and no one can rob you of that joy. Jesus goes to like one of the most deepest, I think painful maybe experiences. Not been there ladies, but I understand that you tell me it's rough, all right? Jesus goes to this place, man, and, and, and he basically is like, look, it's going to be like a woman. This is how much you're going to grieve and mourn. It's going to be like a woman in labor for a minute, right? There's pain there. There's pain there. And when, when, when there's a labor that's going on, we call it labor for a reason. It's not always easy. It can be messy. I've got four kids, right? And there was never a time where I patted my wife on the head and said, there, there, baby, this is easy for you, right? Okay? Or my hands would be broken. I'm just saying I know it was, it, there were times, man, it was messy and it was difficult and it was, it was labor. It was labor. And I knew that it was tough. Yes, it will be painful, but what it produces, though, will be joy. And that's what he's trying to say. That for that momentary pain, something beautiful happens. When they take that baby and they place that baby and they say, look, that pain produced this. Uh, this week I had the opportunity to go and see Jacob and Jordan um, Hall and, and, and their new baby boy. And uh, then that same, so saw, saw them. And then the next day, a day later, I went to the funeral uh, of a family that's been just a huge blessing in, in my life and in my, my, my family's life. And that's 
Nancy Tanton um, and, and her family, and they laid her husband John uh, to rest in Jesus. And yet there was something profound about both of those situations. In one was brand new life. And the other situation was a loss of life. In that brand new life, I saw the joy, just the natural joy that, that, that Jacob and Jordan had. I mean, it was obvious. I mean, it's like, yeah, it was tough, and it was hard work, and it wasn't easy and all that. But they got to hold this precious boy. And so there was a joy there, and I get that. But yet, on the other, at that funeral, man, there was such a joy in that family. And I'll tell you why. Because they got to lay John down to rest so that he could be with Jesus for the rest of his life. In both of those situations, and we say it all the time, like, you know, at funerals, like, this isn't, this isn't just sadness, this is about celebration. Why? Because at the funeral, we realize the big picture. But why do we wait to a funeral to realize the big picture? Why don't we see it now and live like it now? Because it changes everything when we do. I can't explain that except that it's having a heavenly mindset and the whole picture and not just in part. 1 Corinthians 13, 12, Paul's talking about love and really the love of God over us. And here's what he says. Now, right now, we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know is partial and incomplete. But then... I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. And that day that we zoom out, man, and we get to look down and we go, oh, man, it all makes perfect sense. It all makes perfect sense. God's had it from the very beginning. And sometimes we just have to zoom out and we see things differently. And there's a joy that's found in Jesus that can't be explained. And it's like, yeah, I finally get it. And here's the last thing, and here's the key. And that's when Jesus says, then you will receive, then you will rejoice, listen, and no one, somebody say no one, can rob you of that joy. Not people, not Satan, no one can rob you of that joy. This joy cannot be destroyed. This joy cannot be taken away. It cannot be taken away. It's a firm, solid foundation. Even if everything else in your life gives way, the joy can still be there. Let me just say this. You can give it away. It can't be robbed of you. A lot of times people are going, man, I just feel like I don't have joy today. Let me just say this. We can give joy away. I can dwell on everything else and not have that heavenly mindset. I can dwell on everything else and I can give that joy away, but it will never be robbed of me if I keep my eyes fixated on Jesus. Amen? No one can take it away from me. Why can it not be robbed from you? For two reasons, real quickly, and that is this. Because Jesus' resurrection means he's alive and will never die again. Jesus' resurrection means he's alive and will never die again. Our joy comes from being with Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus means that Jesus will never die again. He will never be cut off from you. And the second reason is because Jesus' resurrection means that you and I will never die again. 
Listen to this. We're talking eternal death here. John eleven twenty five through 26. Jesus is talking to, the, to Martha, the sister of Lazarus, when he's dead and in the tomb. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and life. Anyone who believes in me will li- live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, somebody say never, die. You see, two things have to be true. Two things have to be true if your joy is never to be taken from you. If you want that joy to never be robbed from you, two things have to be true. One is that the source of your joy lasts forever. The source of your joy has to be eternal. And we don't find that in anything else in life but Jesus. And the other is that you last forever in that source of joy. Amen? Two things have to last. One, that eternal source of joy. And two, that you have to be found in that eternal source of joy. Of joy. So because your joy comes from being with Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus means that you will never die, you will never be cut off from him. That's why he says, abide in me. Abide in me. You're like a branch connected to the vine. Abide in me. So, so, so here's what I want to do. I'm going to invite Ryan. You can come up if you want and, and just play for a minute. But I want to encourage you guys with something. I want to read a scripture verse o- over you. Um. And it's, it's Romans 8, 35, and it, most of you know it, like it's a familiar verse. But, but just, I want to read this over us, and, and just, I want to encourage you. We just close your eyes for a minute in this room, if you feel comfortable. And if you don't, um, pretend that you're closing your eyes if you want. But, but I want to read this over you, and here's why. I believe, that, I believe that all of us at some stage in life, whether you're in it now, whether you've been in it, whether you'll go into it, we'll go through a season of discouragement, disappointment, feeling like you've lost purpose, feeling like you've lost joy. And what I wanna do is I just, I want you to zoom out for a minute. Right now, you're thinking about what that may look like for you. I just want you to zoom out for a minute. I want you to give a, get a heavenly mindset of what that looks like for just a minute. So you're zoomed out of whatever your circumstance, disappointment, discouragement, lack of joy, lack of purpose looks like. You're zoomed out for a minute. I want to read this over you guys. Does it mean that God no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute? or in danger, or threatened with death? No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ Jesus, who loved us. And I am convinced, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or on the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is our joy that Jesus paid the penalty for your value for the rest of eternity. Scripture says that we are a peculiar people. And I believe that the Christian is peculiar because in a world of mess and chaos, 
we have this joy that resonates within us that it's peculiar to the rest of the world. They don't understand it. Why can you have joy in the mess and the chaos? Because we have a heavenly mindset. Because we focus on our future with Jesus. Because we trust that Jesus is over all things. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.